Hello, my name is Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabe. And we are going to talk about experiencing wine. Yes! (laughs) Two points of view. One, a geek, that would be me. And Caroline, I just like wine. (laughs) I enjoy drinking wine. (laughs) So the whole idea of the show is to talk about what it is about wine that invokes such great passion with people. So you are like most wine drinkers, probably more educated than some, but might be. What is it about wine that gets you excited? It doesn't get me excited. It gets me relaxed and and happy, but not necessarily just from the alcohol. It's the act of picking up a beautiful glass and and smelling what's inside and just savoring the flavor. It means I'm probably going to sit down and read a book or uh, have a chat with my girlfriend or have a beautiful meal together with some dear loved ones. And that is why wine is special, because it's not just a beverage. It is an experience, right? Right. So when I have a glass of wine... I think about all of the places that wine has taken me. I have traveled. I'm really lucky. I have traveled all over the world and um, had wine in vineyards in France and Italy and Napa and Austria. You're very lucky. Very, very lucky. And let's not forget (laughs) our very own Niagara Peninsula and Okanagan Valley, too. Uh, We will get a little bit more specific as well, and I do want to talk about that a little bit and get some of my uber-geekiness out. (laughs) Um, My training is with Wine and Spirits Education Trust, which is a global organization that is based out of the United Kingdom. And, you know, you take courses and you write exams and you get credentials and then you write more exams and get more credentials and all that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. Um, well, it's really fun because you can say that you're getting an education and what you're drinking is <laughs> drinking wine and spirits. It so sounds it's, like hard work. It actually, <laughs> you try writing an exam after drinking all day and see how you do. Uh, but, it, but it really is super fun. But one of the things that's really useful about WSET for anybody, no matter what their wine experience is, is if somebody says to you, you know, why do you like this wine? Sometimes that's really hard, right? It can be. Yeah. I like it because it tastes good. Right. 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 So with WSET, one of the things that it teaches you to do is a really systematic approach to tasting wine. So because the best way to learn is by doing, in my opinion, we are going to do that today. Let's. Yay. (laughs) So today we are talking about rosé and true confessions here, people. Caroline warned me that rosé has not traditionally been her favorite. Not typically. You know, I've found now it's been I know that they've kind of come back into vogue a little bit. And uh, and I haven't tasted some a lot of the new ones. I haven't tasted any of the new ones that are really out. And we're talking it's been a few years since that's been true. So um, back when I had tasted some roses, they were very almost sickly sweet. And even when they weren't sickly sweet, they were just too sweet for my palate. But I know they've dried up a little bit and and uh, have. I'm just excited to taste some new ones. So. Right. And I think part of that is because of how rosé was treated in North America. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that will tell you that millennials are the reason that rosé has taken off. So it depends which uh, report you read, which wine analytics 
whether it's Forbes or WineAnalytics.com or Wine Spectator or right. Wine Advocate or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, the growth in rosé sales year over year is uh, almost 50% for the last three years. Wow. Now, it's still a relatively small segment of the market in North America, less than 10%, um, but growing just crazy fast. Uh, we might have a Brad and Angelina to thank for that because they um, put Miraval on the market a few years ago, and it's a dry French okay. rosé. Isn't that interesting? It became all the rage in the Hamptons, and then it, you know, kind of makes its way <laughs> makes its way to New York, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. In France. They've been drinking it all along. Right. So, okay. what I'm pouring for our audience is Mulder Bosch Rosé. So, Mulder Bosch uh, is a winery in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think of South Africa, people Can you think... hear that? It sounds beautiful. <laughs> when you think of South Africa, you don't necessarily think about rosé. This wine is fairly dark in color. Right. And the reason that it's fairly dark in color is that it comes from Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. So I would wager that 98% of Cabernet Sauvignon grapes are used to make Cabernet Sauvignon wine sure. of some type, whether it's cabs from California or Bordeaux or Chile or Canada or anywhere else. They make a red wine from it. So in order to extract the color, the grapes are crushed with the skin left on the skin for a short amount of time and the color comes from the skin themselves. And that goes for red wine as well. Right. So the vast majority of rosé wine is made by leaving the grape juice on the skins for a while to extract some color. Mm-hmm. And then... But just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. And and sometimes it's less than 24 hours. Okay, I was going to ask sometimes you how it's long a long, yeah, and it really depends, and it depends on the grape because the vast majority, again, of traditional rosé from France is made with Grenache. Grenache is a lighter red grape, so it doesn't give it as much color. And when you think of dark red wine, of dark rosé wine, mm-hmm. people tend to think of those really super sweet ones that were big when. I was a kid, you know. Right, but this one's actually got a really beautiful. Uh, uh, it's, I would, I would say it's almost a drifting into like an orange, kind of a salmony like a, color. Right, yeah. Salmon's actually the perfect description. It's 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 definitely rosé, but it's a it's a rich rosé, rich looking rosé. Right. So in the systematic approach to wine, one of the things that you actually do is to look at the color. So the easiest way to do it is to hold it against something white. So this is, this is you know, a white tablecloth or a white piece of paper. Definitely and that salmon. Give you some nice hints about the color. It's because if you're, if you're looking at something and it's got a, a, a bright orange tablecloth, then obviously the, the grapes are going to look, the wine's going to look like it's actually more orange or more red or more purple or whatever. So you're looking at it. Does it have any effervescence? No. Does it have any sediment? No. What color is it? Is it pale? Is it dark? Is it medium? And then you get to the, to me, almost the best part, which is the smell. Yeah. So then you smell. So give it a little swirl and give it a little swirl. Stick your nose in there. And the swirl is to release the aroma. Mm-hmm. And we're drinking these from ISO tasting glasses, which are relatively small. Um, My just- mouth is salivating. <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> it smells pretty good. Okay. So you release the aroma by swirling the wine in the glass. Mm-hmm. The tulip shape funnels all that aroma up to your nose. What do you smell? It's bright. It smells really fresh. It's happy. <laughs> it's <cheerful>. happy. <laughs> I get a little strawberry. Which oh, is now that you, you know the power of suggestion. <laughs> little strawberry, which is yes. unusual for Cabernet Sauvignon. Nor- normally, with Cabernet Sauvignon, you're going to smell cassis, and you're going right. to smell all these really rich berry, rich dark berries. Yeah, but this yeah. this is a little bit like. So it smells pretty good. No, there's definitely a strawberry in there. Not <laughs> it's not very very sweet no. smelling. It does not a, a forward strawberry, but it's underneath there. It's, it's certainly in there, and there's about a zillion smells and. Whatever you smell in the wine, it's there for you. So don't mm-hmm. let somebody tell you that it's not there. And trust me, when I took a sensory class from Alexandra Schmidt, the mm. nose of wine, who consults with all of the fancy, fancy uh, wineries. That does sound fancy. In uh, in Bordeaux, um, we took this class and, and, and a very well-educated local gal said, I smell, I can't remember what she said, I smell ginger. Yeah. And he said, no, you are wrong. And of course, because he's very French. Um, and uh-huh. I just thought it was hilarious because, you know, if she smells ginger, she smells ginger. Right. I do not smell ginger on this, by the no, way. No, I don't. Okay. So, but I do love, I, I actually enjoy it when someone makes a suggestion and then suddenly you, you can get it. You can smell it. Yeah. Where really before you said that, I might not have smelled the the herbaceous grass or whatever you know what i'm saying right, like exactly so so i kind of enjoy that sometimes giving that and getting a little tip <laughs> well and what's fun to me is that i can and i've never been to south africa but stellenbosch is um in the cape the western cape and a, a really beautiful part of south africa and mm-hmm. i have some friends that that have lived there and i know one or two people that still live there and it's like gonna be your next trip <laughs> Maybe not next. No, the next one's Italy, and that's next month. So yes, um, can I come? Sure. <laughs> but when I stick my nose in the glass, I can almost feel like I'm sitting on one of those patios, you know, right. overlooking these beautiful oh. hills with the ocean in the distance. You can almost Gorgeous. put yourself there, right? Uh, anytime I close my eyes, <laughs> exactly. Wine is a travel machine. Okay, so then take a little sip, yeah, and swish it around in your mouth. And the really geeky thing to do, and I'll do it in a second, I'll let you just enjoy yours, because it's really loud and obnoxious sounding, is to uh, slurp. Here we go. And by doing that, the wine coats all of your mouth. I'm going to try it. (laughs) So what you're doing is you're just pulling some air over your tongue. beautiful it's gorgeous isn't it lovely one of the reasons that millennials love rosé is because you can buy a really nice bottle for not a lot of money how much is not a lot of money um lots under twenty dollars this is under twenty dollars wow retail it's beautiful isn't it lovely um i wish i could tell you more than beautiful (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you 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 have a hint for yourself in something you said earlier. You said if I could smell acid. Mm-hmm. So whenever you drink a wine and and all of a sudden you salivate, yeah. So that's actually the acid. So you should be having a because it is quite bright, 
I was going to say that that's the word I would use, actually, is it it's it is bright in your mouth like it. it uh, uh, it's so the opposite would be flat. <laughs> it's exactly. not flat. It's, no, it's it's bright and cheerful and it has uh, it's 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 not quite acidic the way a lemon would be. No. It's just uh, it's just a gorgeous um, tang. Yeah. And it's beautiful balance. So yes. what makes a wine a quality wine is that it has layers of aroma, layers of flavor, beautiful balance, and a long finish. So this is for a twenty dollar wine, this gives you a pretty decent finish. No, so if I was marking this wine, um, you know, if I'm doing it out of five, I would probably give it four, which is a very high mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm giving it a four knowing that it's under $20. So if I had paid $140 for that wine, I would mm. probably give it three. You have to really work to spend that much on a rosé, by the way. Um, even even some of the really, some of the best rosés in the world, like the, the rosé Bandol from Domaine Tempier is still only about 45 or $50. So t- tell me, why is that? Why is rosé more affordable? It's really simple. If you think about when you make red wine how long you have to keep it in a barrel. Right. So the barrels themselves are crazy expensive, over $600 a piece. Right. You're holding on to that wine for years. You're not getting your return on the investment. And with a rosé, you can actually turn it around in six months wow. and get it out the door. So it is... Big difference. Big difference. difference. There's another way, too, that you can make rosé. We talked about leaving it on the skin, and that is the majority of the way that that rosé is made. Rosé is also made by mixing a red grape and a white grape. I did not know that. Uh, Not the wines, but the grapes themselves. So, for example, if I have Chardonnay, which is a white grape, Mm -hmm. and I have Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier, which are both red grapes, those together make champagne. And if you think about what rosé champagne is it's a combination of those three grapes. It can also be individuals of those. I I, I must confess, I did try uh, a rosé champagne once several years ago. I used to belong to a... Now, this is... I'm talking probably 25 years ago. I was in a wine club here in the city. There were 10, 10 of us that would get together every like one Sunday a month or something. And we'd all throw in uh, 20 bucks and, um, you know, the, the host would... would open up five bottles and we get to taste some really great stuff. And this one time um, we were doing a, a champagne flight and it was a little more expensive, but I, the the rosé was actually my least favorite of all the bubblies. It was just... That's so sad. It is sad, but I, it just was... I, I did, I, so I'm kind of excited to think that maybe there's one out there that I'll fall in love with now. Oh, well, we'll have to plan a bubbly podcast. That sounds good. <laughs> That's super fun because... You just... Pulled out another bottle. I did pull out another bottle. It's such a pretty bottle. One of the things that makes rosé eminently marketable is it is beautiful. Rosé is an Instagram superstar. I bet, The bottles are beautiful. The color is beautiful. And this particular bottle, the Chateau Le Morin, it's a crew from Cote de Provence. So we'll talk about crew and we'll talk about France in depth another time. But generally, anything from a crew vineyard is well made. Okay. 
Uh, and this is the Cuvée Marie Christine 2017. So... In Provence, classically, the wines are dry Mm -hmm. and they are quite pale. Remember we talked about Grenache a couple of minutes ago? So Grenache grapes don't have the the thick, dark skins that Cabernet Sauvignon grapes have. So the Grenache grapes are beautiful and light. They make this beautiful light color and that is the classic color for rosé. And for years, people associated darker colored wines for example, the Mulderbosch, which is a little bit darker, um, as less quality because in their head, they were equating that with um, extremely sweet white Zinfandel or okay. something like that. So, and Zinfandel, of course, darker grapes. So I think that people kind of associated the darker color with like pop rosé. You know, I would have to confess that I would fall into that category when I... Have seen a darker rosé. I, I mean, not that I bought too many in the last little while, but I would probably steer uh, towards a lighter uh, rosé for that for that reason. I would th- I would just assume that the darker rosé is uh, is sweeter, and and clearly that's not true with the with this beautiful bottle we've just tasted. So one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to drink them side by side. So the classic Provencal rosé. I, I, I fell in love with the wines of Provence, not surprisingly, when I was there, um, because you would sit on a patio after an exciting day of exploration, mm-hmm. and we were, had rented a villa with some friends. Every time I pour one of these into my glass, I am sitting on that patio. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that lovely? And if you stick your nose, so we're doing yes. the same thing, right? So we're looking at the color. And again, oh, it Noah, smells totally different. It smells totally different because it's a different grape. So, <laughs> in in the the chateau, it's I smell some weird stuff. <laughs> That's not surprising. I gotta look at this wheel. We have like a uh, it's just, called an aroma wheel. Yes, the aroma wheel. And I, I want to see if what I'm smelling is in here. Oh, I think that maybe I would call it earthy. That would be a nice way to phrase it. I'm kind of getting like. Dried rose petals. Hmm. I don't have that yet, but I might, might get there. Might get there. So whenever I stick my nose into one of these glasses, mm-hmm. we're on the patio. Mm-hmm. The sun is shining. Yes. We've had a great day. Even the, in the dead of winter in uh, Edmonton? Uh, or not quite? Well, you know, it's... It's not winter right now, so you know. I, I think that if if you if the if the sun is shining, I can probably have one of these and still be there. That's wonderful. And you know, isn't that a beautiful thing? It is a beautiful thing. It's like travel it's in like a bottle. Dreaming. <laughs> it's traveling in a bottle. You don't even need Google Earth for this, yeah. because in my mind's eye, I can smell also the lavender fields. Right. So oh. we were in Provence for the month of September, a few years ago, and. Um, it, the whole south of France smells like lavender at that time of year. It's just That's amazing. Beautiful. And it was unseasonably warm, probably, which isn't necessarily good. Good for the grapes, not for, not for many other things. And, um, and it's just a, a thing that we did, you know. And then we would have something else, maybe a more serious wine, later <laughs> in the day. Funk. Let's call it funk. That's a better, much It's a little better. bit funky. It's, it's, it is more funky than I expected. Right. And I've had this before, but not this vintage. So I'm kind of interested in that. That's... Mm. 
lots of acid. See, I'm not getting as much acid. I'm getting it. It it tastes um, like it coats the tongue and in a in a very pleasant way. Like I liked the acid of the Malderbach. Malderbach? Am I saying it right? Bosch? Sorry. I don't know. Oh, so all of our South African friends can tell <clears throat> us. <laughs> but this one um, seems to be softer to me. Oh, I think it's softer. It is. It's. Yeah. It's definitely not as aggressive. And I think that that's the grapes again. Um, I keep forgetting it's a completely different grape. I'm sorry. Right. And yeah. but but I think that that's really normal. I yeah. think that that's. I think that for people that are experiencing rosé, every bottle will be different, and every place that you get it from will be different. And the uh, Pinot Noir rosé from Nickel Vineyards smells like Pinot Noir, and the um, Cabernet Sauvignon from um, Bordeaux, which is made into a rosé, smells much more like this Mulderbosch does because right. it's made with Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. Right. So it's, but it's really hard because we've been trained to think of of rosé as in, in like in one uh, one pot or one basket where really uh, there's all these. This huge variety of roses. Exactly. And, and just in these two glasses. Right, exactly. So I was trying to get contrast, and I think we've achieved pretty, oh, big time. pretty dramatic contrast. So the color is, I don't know, like if I was describing the color of the Mulder Bosch, I would call it um, medium salmon, maybe medium to dark salmon, and I would call the Chateau Lomarod, um pale. It is quite pale. Um, and then on the nose, it's almost golden. It is so pale. And if you smell them side by side, they're completely different. Wow. And they smell now that I just went back to taking a nose full of the Malderbosch. It smells, it's interestingly smells sweeter. Okay. So back and forth. They've, it's crazy how they change. <laughs> and obviously the wines don't change, but as they we do. experience. Well, no. they do with the, with the, uh, with the air. The oxidization. They absolutely do with the oxidization. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you have a preference? I prefer the Malderbush. So I'm kind of surprised. But, but I haven't actually gone back to tasting it yet. So let's do that okay. if you don't mind. Yeah, I think I like the acid in that. I enjoy that that brightness. Where uh, now I'm going to try the Marie Christine again. Yeah. So I guess also, if I were if I were drinking this with a meal, uh, I might make a decision based on whatever we were eating. Right, because. Um, Provencal wines are lovely with food, especially things like shellfish. And some of the wines in southern France, for example, from Tavel. So I would suggest that people kind of keep an eye out for Tavel, mm-hmm. especially red wine drinkers, because Tavel is um, pink wine for red wine drinkers. It's mm-hmm. a rich color, even darker than this. Okay. Also usually made from Grenache and Syrah. Um, but also has some spicy notes because oh, Tavel is oh. quite, it is the, the southernmost uh, AOC in the Rhone Valley in France. Um, and again, you have this beautiful city, but you also have all of these lovely bottom notes. 
And so for sound interesting. It's very interesting. And I was actually going to bring that one as well, the two from southern France. And then I thought, no, let's make them like as different as we possibly can because it's super fun. I'm glad you said uh, what you just did because I think that if I were having a shelf like a fish or shellfish or any any if I were drinking it with food, I would I would probably choose the Marie Christine. Whereas if I were just drinking uh, just the wine or not having it, like not even chips, yeah. <laughs> I would probably go with the Mulderbush. Just it probably for, would be great with buttered popcorn. Well, I make popcorn. I make all sorts of flavored popcorn. So yeah, you're probably right. I can imagine that because it would uh, balance right because the the acid cuts the fat. Yeah, um, rosé is great for uh, turkey. Yeah, you know because again, anything that has a has a has a, a relative high amount of acid. And again, depends on the particular rosé. But either of these two would be lovely with turkey or chicken or um, like sh- like the. The Provence rosés are beautiful with shellfish. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just thinking that if anything, I think like a buttery garlicky sauce with shellfish would, would and maybe not too much garlic, but uh, it would just be perfect. Or the Scallops, right? would be perfect. Yes. Abs- or or shrimp, any kind of like yeah. beautiful fresh shrimp or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Salmon, anything. And I know salmon's not shellfish, but uh, any, any. And sometimes it's hard to find a wine for, for example, um, like we enjoy crab legs once in a while. Just at home, we'll just kind of dig in and feast. And we've tried Chardonnay with um, crab legs. It's not good. It doesn't work. It's not flattering. So you need more acid, right? Right. And so I can imagine that this would be actually perfect. So your experience now will be starting here and going forward. There's a whole segment of the wine market that you can explore again absolutely that you wouldn't have tried thank you for that because it's it's just a revelation it doesn't they don't taste anything like what i remember there it's like a new i mean there's some similarities obviously but they're pink (laughs) that's about it that's where it ends (laughs) here's to pink wine it's it's just gorgeous here's to pink wine this was fun absolutely and we're gonna do it again yes please my name's Ruth Blakely. I'm Caroline Schwabi. And we've been experiencing wine. 